Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The White House and the Department of Homeland Security claim this week that they're working overtime to deport more than 10,000 illegal Haitian migrants currently camped under a bridge in Del Rio, Texas. According to the latest reporting from the Associated Press and confirmed by Fox News, they lied. Big surprise. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. As predicted, turns out there are a lot of Haitian immigrants, illegal immigrants, who are being released in the United States and have effectively gotten around, gamed, schemed our immigration system, which makes perfect sense because why else would you have thousands and thousands and thousands of immigrants all consolidated in one place along the U.S.-Mexico border unless they actually believed there was a very real chance that they would get into the U.S. and be free and clear. Now, the Biden administration promised us this will not happen. They're on it. You can trust them. Turns out not so much. According to the Associated Press, many Haitian migrants camped in a small Texas border town are being released into the United States, according to two U.S. officials, undercutting the Biden administration's public statements that the thousands in the camp faced immediate expulsion. Haitians have been freed on a very, very large scale in recent days, according to one U.S. official who put the figure in the thousands. Gee, hold on a second. If it's only been a few days, and there's only about 12 or so thousand Haitian and also some Cuban and Venezuelan and other immigrants, but overwhelmingly Haitian immigrants who are there, how many are actually being deported? I I thought they were told, uh, we were told, that people wouldn't be allowed into the country just because they had decided to violate our laws and gather in a big crowd, right? Well, here's a tweet from Fox News correspondent Bill Malugin. From a Border Patrol source in Del Rio, we are releasing family groups Family, uh, couples who claim a female is pregnant, family units, families with children, all a woman has to do is claim she is pregnant and she will be released. They're asked to please report to immigration within 60 days. Gee, that seems like some pretty big loopholes to offer up here for the thousands of illegal immigrants at the border. Seems like uh, something's going on there, right? So what are the numbers? If we're not getting this correctly, if this isn't what's going on, what is going on? I mean, let's, let's just take a step back and assume for a moment, oh, come on, there must be some 
honest mistake the Biden administration's made, right? They wouldn't just be letting thousands of Haitian immigrants into the country because they think it benefits their long-term electoral prospects, because they're open borders, because they don't believe in the rule of law when it in any way interferes with Democrat power, right? Well, if that's the case, wouldn't it be very obvious, very clear and easy to get an answer from none other than Jen Psaki about how many illegals gathered in this group in Del Rio have been deported, sent back to countries of origin, or released into the U.S. interior? Pretty important and pretty straightforward stuff. Here's what the White House press secretary says. Secretary Mayorkas has now been asked twice on the Hill, uh, and he's not been able to provide an answer to this. So, so I want to ask you, do you have the numbers? How many patients have been deported? How many have been processed? And how many have been allowed to stay in the United States? I certainly understand why you're asking and understand why people have been asking Secretary Mayorkas. Those are numbers that are uh, the, Sec the Department of Homeland Security would have the most up-to-date numbers. But why is it so hard to keep track of a simple number like that? Why can't you give it? Why can't he give it? It's been two days now he's been asked. I that. I'm certain they will provide it. It's an absolutely fair question to ask, and uh, I'm certain he just wanted to have the most up-to-date numbers to provide. Yeah, let me tell you what's going on here. The old bureaucratic slow roll. The Potomac Two-Step, those of you who are fans of the movie Clear and Present Danger. But the bureaucratic slow roll is make sure that you don't put out the data that'll show what a catastrophe this is and how you were lying up to that data dump. Wait until people aren't paying as much attention. Maybe, I don't know, they'll tell us the numbers on Friday at about 5 p.m. That's the move here for them, right? Because what you'll find out, inevitably, is that uh, instead of actually taking everyone gathered here and deporting them, which is what should happen, or turning them back into Mexico or sending them to their countries of origin, many thousands of these Haitian migrants will have been let into the United States with a promise to appear. Uh, yeah, maybe they like crossed their heart and, and swore and, oh yeah, we, we, we definitely will show up. No worries there. Don't, don't think that there's any problems. Um, they can't answer how many illegals have been deported or released because they don't want to. They could get that data. They certainly have access to it, but they'd rather pretend to be ignorant of it. And that's what you see going on with this Democrat administration, with the Biden White House in general. They just want to avoid the border as a place, as a topic, as an issue, as much as possible. In fact, when you get to the very top of the administration, we had, for example, Kamala Harris, the vice president, very clearly uh, having an issue with not going to the border despite being the border czar. What about Joe Biden himself? This is pretty straightforward. The president has the best, uh, the best travel service imaginable with Air Force One, right? Taxpayer funded, can go. He can go to the border anytime he wants. It's U.S. soil. It's not some foreign country. We don't need permission from anybody else. Peter Ducey of Fox News asked Jen Psaki, has Biden ever been? Here's how that went. Just one more. Has President Biden ever been to the southern border? In his life? I will have to get look back in my history books and check the times he's been to the southern we border. We have been looking all morning, and we cannot find any record of him visiting the border as president, vice president, senator, or even as a concerned citizen. Why would that be? I can check and see when the last time or when he may have been. Yeah. Why hasn't he been this year? Doesn't it matter? Isn't it worthwhile? Biden, Biden can't stay in the basement all the time anymore. This isn't the 2020 election period, right? So he is the president, for better or for worse. 
or worse. We know that's what's happening, right? We know that this is a border crisis. Oh, but you know what they'll fall back on? The same thing they always do. Orange man bad. That then becomes the excuse for everything. Here's Jen Psaki with that. And just because you keep using Title 42 to defend this administration's immigration policies, that is a Trump-era regulation. You guys came in saying that the Trump-era immigration policy was very inhumane. Title 42 is not an immigration policy. It is a, it is a health authority because we're in the middle of a pandemic. The Trump administration approach to immigration was inhumane and was immoral. That's why we need to put a new policy in place and we need Congress to pass that policy. Oh, so then what is the current policy? If what Trump did, which was to stop people from gaming the immigration system by pretending to be asylum seekers when they're just economic migrants who want to skip to the front of the immigration line, if, if they don't want that, what do they want? What does the Biden administration think is fair here? You know, even a Democratic representative like uh, Henry Cuellar, for example, uh, has been willing to say about Haitian migrants, look, if they're not supposed to be in the country, it is in fact the law and the obligation of the United States government to send them back. Look, what do you do with these Haitian migrants? I, I mean, they've, they, they, to send them back to a country they haven't been to in 10 years is pretty tough medicine. They have nowhere to go back to with jobs. I mean, this is not an easy answer. Um, what's your prescription? Well, you know, certainly, can you do both at the same time? Absolutely. Let me give you an example. President Obama and Secretary Jay Johnson, they treated the, uh, the immigrants, uh, the migrants with respect and dignity, but at the same time, they followed the law. If they're not supposed to be here, then with all due respect, you got to send them back. Yeah, that's the law. So if you're going to follow the law, you have to do that thing that the law says, which would be sending them back, right? Yeah. All right, coming up, we'll talk to townhall.com's Julio Rosas, who's been on the ground in Del Rio, Texas. But let's talk about the most important asset you own, your home. How much equity do you have in your home? 50,000, 100,000, more? Cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners that the more equity you have, the greater the chance foreign domestic criminals will come after you. Home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes. In fact, Home Title Lock, America's leader in home title protection, is alerting homeowners they could already be a victim and not know it. Here's how it goes down. First, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high equity homes. Next, they pull your home's online title, forge your signature stating you sold your home, and take out loans using your equity. You're not covered by insurance, your bank, or common identity theft programs. Protect your most valuable asset today. Register your address now to see if you're already a victim and receive a complete title history of your home, a $100 value free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with townhall.com's Julio Rosas. Stay there. If you annualize these figures, spend a couple hundred thousand people per month, uh, we'll be up to about 2.1 million apprehensions. Add the, get the getaways, three to 400,000. We're up to two, two and a half million people. Um, you have repeatedly stated that our borders are not open, that they're closed. Do you honestly believe that our borders are closed? Um, Senator, uh, I do. An estimated 2.5 million migrants are expected to make it into the country this year. 2.5 million. And DHS Secretary 
Alejandro Mayorkas insists that our southern borders closed during yesterday's heated hearing in the Senate. This is no longer a crisis. It is a spiraling catastrophe that the incompetent Biden administration refuses to address. Julio Rosa, senior writer at townhall.com, was just down in Del Rio, Texas, to witness the border chaos firsthand. He joins us now to tell us what he saw. Julio, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bob. First, let's start with this. During this week's press conference, you asked Secretary Mayorkas of DHS if he would publicly admit the situation at the border was, in fact, a crisis. What was his answer? Well, so the reason why I asked him that is because right before the Afghanistan news cycle back in August, he it was uh, released in leaked audio that he was he privately admitted in a meeting with Border Patrol when he was visiting Brownsville that what was happening was a crisis. It was quote unsustainable, and that we were in danger of losing complete control of the southern border, which is a complete. Uh, 180 from what he has been saying publicly by saying it's just a challenge, by just saying that uh, we have a plan and we're implementing it. And so that's why I asked him. I said, you said it privately. Will you say it publicly? And uh, he, he, he didn't let me even finish the question because all he said was that uh, we are meeting the challenge and we are focused on the mission And before he went on to the next reporter. So obviously he wasn't willing to uh, admit uh, what he was, what he does know, but what the rest of the country knows that this is in fact a crisis. Here is Secretary Mayorkas today saying that uh, they're executing the plan. Is the border more secure under your leadership than when you started? Uh, Congressman, the border is secure. We're executing our plan. And I've been very clear and unequivocal in that regard. Mr. Secretary, the question is, is the border more secure now under your leadership? Congressman, it is no less secure than it was previously. Mm, Interesting. It certainly seems less secure based on the numbers, based on the video footage, the photos. What are you seeing? You've been down there, Julio. So I have been covering the border for decades. I'm only 25, but I I did cover the border towards the end of President Trump's administration. And this is when the wall was being built. This is when Title 42 applied to everybody. This is when we had Remain in Mexico. And there was certainly less activity uh, happening along the border in terms of attempted crossings. Uh, but now, I mean, it, it's it's all the time. And, and even before this in Del Rio, Del Rio uh, is a relatively small town uh, compared to maybe like the Rio Grande Valley, but it did have its fair share of increased border crossings. And then obviously now it's just, it just completely overwhelmed and it made the Rio Grande Valley seem like a, cake, a cakewalk. So no, the, the border is, not only open, but it's open for business for the human trafficking organizations, the drug cartels, and anybody who wants to take advantage of the southern border because it is open. And uh, this is just something that didn't need to happen. But because the Biden administration's approach to immigration, uh, it it is happening. and And that's what makes it all the more unfortunate. One thing that seems hard to take at face value in all this, Julio, is that we have processing of migrants led into the United States, right? That's a, we, we should know, and I'm sure we do know at some level, the U.S. government knows how many people are at the Del Rio bridge crossing and that have been released with a ticket to appear in 60 days, right? This, this is what they sometimes, and we're hearing often do. But yet when Secretary Mayorkas is asked why we don't have clear numbers, how many are deported? How many are being led in the country? Here's what he says. Let me share something with you quite clearly. I work 18 hours a day. 
Okay, so when I returned from yesterday's hearing, I actually focused on mission. We will get that data both to the senator who posed it yesterday and to you, Congressman, today. So you don't have any estimation at all of the, the, the numbers that I'm asking for at all. You don't know how many have been returned. You don't know how many have been released into the United States. You don't have any, any estimation at all of what those numbers are. I mean, Julio, how is that possible? I mean, they want us to believe this. I mean, it's almost kind of like how the Biden administration didn't know how many Americans wanted to leave Afghanistan when Kabul went, when that whole situation unraveled. So, no, it's I, I, it's because the fact that they were putting on this position that, oh, yeah, the deportations are happening, which is true. But I think if we're, once we do get the numbers, we're going to see that the, the amount of people who were released into the United States with NTAs or NTRs, uh, far outnumbered the ones that were actually sent back. And that's because uh, they're only applying Title 42 to single adult males. And I can tell you being to the camp, uh, there's a lot of family units, there's a lot of pregnant women there. Uh, and so I think they're, they're trying to delay releasing that number as long as they can. Yeah, it seems like it's just about the optics and the public relations aspect, the PR of all of this. Uh, speaking of public relations and the optics, there was this photo that Kamala Harris and Chuck Schumer and all these others said, oh my gosh, a Haitian is being whipped by a Border Patrol member on horseback. Uh, as has already been pointed out countless times, Julio, that is a horse rein, that is not a whip, and no one was actually whipped with it. So that is, those are the facts of this case. How does, I mean, you're in contact with Border Patrol folks down there. How do they feel when the whole national conversation becomes a lie essentially accusing the border patrol of inhuman racist abuse. I mean, it's it's quite frustrating. I mean, they're, they're, I can tell you that they, they are not the villains in, in, in this border crisis. They're, they're, they're far from it. And what's important to keep in mind is that it's, it's the, the photos don't tell the story, actually. And, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, but you have to actually look at the video because the reason why the reins are so long is because of the style that they're trained to, to ride the horses on, but also because they, they don't whip, they actually spin the rein to prevent people from getting too close to the horse because they don't want the people to get trampled on by the horse, which can cause very serious injuries. So if you look at the video, you'll actually see them do that exact technique, which uh, now then if you take a photograph and clearly city dwellers who don't ride horses don't know anything about it, automatically are jumping to a whip. And so that just shows their own arrogance. But no, it's, it's very unfortunate that there that the one time or one of the few times this year that Democrats and mainstream media have really focused on the border crisis, it's based on a complete lie. And Julio, what are your sources telling you or do you have any hypotheses even at this point for how did all of these predominantly Haitian migrants come together in this way at this time? Who organized this? Who funded it? Why now? Do, do we have any inclinations, any idea as to how that happened? So uh, the vast majority of the Haitians that are crossing right now, they're not coming directly from Haiti uh, because Haiti has been a long, unstable government in a third world country. There have been events like the 2010 earthquake that have pushed Haitians uh, out of the country and they have settled it predominantly in South America and some Latin American countries, uh, including Chile and Brazil. And so much like the rest of the other uh, nationalities, they have seen how easy it is to cross into the United States right now, especially if they're with a family, they have a kid or they're pregnant. 
So the human trafficking organizations, I mean, they have this down to an art form. This is their this is their day to day job. They know how to game the American system. So they know that if they send all these people at once, which is exactly what we saw, and they allow that transit to happen, it bogs down Border Patrol. And in fact, in the Del Rio sector where this is all happening, over 200 miles of that border in that sector didn't have a single Border Patrol agent because they were all too busy having to take care of and staff the, the camp underneath the International Bridge. And that's very deliberate. And so, I mean, I can only imagine what has been smuggled across in this week time in that sector with that, with Border Patrol being having this severe uh, undermanning issue uh, along the other parts of their their area of responsibility. Julio, as always, great work, man. Thanks for being here with us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. It's been over two years since former U.S. Attorney John Durham was appointed by former Attorney General Bill Barr to look into the origins of the FBI's Trump-Russia investigation. Now, at long last, there seems to be some movement. Look at the details with former Intelligence Committee investigator Cash Patel in a moment. But right now, I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto market's hot right now, right? People are talking about it. Bitcoin, Ethereum, so many digital tokens out there that you can invest in, and sometimes there are huge gains attached to these things. It can happen very quickly. But how do you get started? That's where My Digital Money comes in. This is an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with the best customer service you're going to find anywhere. Because your comfort and security are their top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins and trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It looks like special counsel John Durham is finally getting somewhere in his more than two-year-long probe into the origins of the Trump-Russia investigation. Last week, Durham issued an indictment against cybersecurity lawyer Michael Sussman, who's tied to the Clinton campaign, for allegedly making false statements to the FBI. The indictment claims Sussman offered tips to the Bureau in order to undermine then-candidate Trump all while hiding the fact that he was working for the Clinton campaign. Sussman has pled not guilty to the charges. Here to shed light on that is former investigator for the House Intelligence Committee, Cash Patel. Cash, good to see you. Hey, it's great to be with you, Buck. Thanks. So I know you served as senior counsel for Representative Devin Nunes during the Russiagate probe. Uh, could you tell me just what happened here? What's going on with Sussman? 
Yeah, absolutely. So what probably most of the reviewers don't know and shouldn't know was I was the one, the staffer who took the deposition cited in John Durham's indictment. So I'm intimately familiar with Michael Sussman and his connections, not only connections, but payment by the Hillary Clinton campaign to shuffle information to the FBI. The crux of the matter is it's a lying count. Basically, it says Michael Sussman is alleged to have lied to the FBI, specifically the general counsel, when he walked in the information that he was paid to put together by the Hillary campaign, which turned out to be the information itself turned out to be false, and he likely knew that. But he went to James Baker and said, "Oh, hey, I came across this information as a Good Samaritan. Please, please review this uh, at the FBI and and take a look." What he didn't do was reveal that he was working for the Hillary Clinton campaign. He actually, according to the indictment, went out of his way to tell his friend James Baker, the general counsel of the FBI, that no, no, I'm not here at the behest of anyone. Rewind the clock to 2017, 18, when I took that deposition of him, I pointedly asked him, were you collecting that Alpha Bank information on the behest of any client? And he specifically responded, yes, I was doing it for a client. Now, back then, he wouldn't tell me the client because he hid behind attorney-client privilege, which was you know, another story. But um, that's the crux of the issue. That's the lie that John Durham's saying, that he was he's saying, Sussman, oh, I just pitched it as a Good Samaritan. But he already testified under oath to me and the House Intelligence Committee that actually he was doing all of it for a client. So, so just can you just clarify for everybody, including me, by the way, what this what this guy did exactly was what you mentioned Alpha Bank. What did he do? Like, why is he tied into all this in the first place? Sure. The reason that any of this matters is because the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC had two big lawyers, two big shots, Sussman and Mark Elias. And these guys went out per the Clinton campaign and cultivated false information on behalf of the Clinton campaign and then spun it to the media in 2016 to say Trump is connected with the Russians. And one of the lines of effort was this Alpha Bank nonsense, which they, Sussman said, he went out and hired researchers who themselves admitted in the John Durham indictment that they couldn't get to where Sussman wanted to get to. But they said Trump Tower was connected to Alpha Bank, which was some Russian bank. So Trump's colluding with the Russians. That's the bottom line. But the evidence was faulty, actually false, and he pitched it as it was real. And that's the problem, and that's the reason why John Durham's invited him, indicted him. So, so fair then to say, this guy Sussman was a lawyer paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign who went around and essentially took, you know, found these fake stories, fake news stories, uh, rumors essentially, and then presented them to the FBI as, hey, here's, you know, important tipster information about a Russia collusion connection with Trump. And the reason he's in trouble is because he lied about doing this on behalf of the Clinton. So we're getting kind of Russia collusion origins here. Is that fair? Yeah, but it's actually worse than what you said. It would have been one thing if Sussman just went out and internet searched for this information. He took the money from the Clinton campaign, hired an internet research company that's cited in the indictment and said, I need you to find out about this Alpha Bank thing, and then I need you to connect it to Donald Trump. The people he hired came back and said, we can't do that. It's in the, it's in the indictment. You can read it for yourself. He says, we can't get to the X that you want us to get to. He said, well, create a white paper that says so anyway, and I'll get it to the FBI. Wow. Sussman's the first of the Durham Report indictment, uh, indictments we've seen. Well, actually, I want to ask you, do you think there could be, I'm sorry, the second indictment. Tell Who else has been indicted and what else do you think is going to come out of this report? 
So I think there's a lot more to come because a 27-page indictment for a 1,001 count, as we call it, is unheard of. He's basically laid out a conspiracy and the actors in the conspiracy, and he's already charged Kleinsmith, the uh, attorney at the FBI, right, who right. pled okay. guilty to he defrauding fa he the He fabricated court. the evidence in the email. I forgot about him. Exactly, exactly. And Sussman, look, if you look at the uh, transcript that I took the depot of, the FBI wasn't the only agency that uh, he peddled this information to. He kept going after the election to another government agency. What do you think is coming next then, Cash? We said there's going to be more. What does that look like? You know this investigation intimately. You understand the details, the players, and, and the timeline. What, you know, one, do you think there are, what kind of things are you expecting us to get answers to? What questions are we expected to get answers to from the Durham report going forward? And then I got a follow up for you, but to handle that one first. Sure. I think specifically what America has been asking for four or five years, at least most of America, how did this bogus information paid for by a political opponent allow the Department of Justice and the FBI to get a surveillance warrant on our opponent? How? And now we know it's because of lies, false information, and uh, perpetuation of this fraud before the federal judges. So who are the players involved in that to allow that to happen? Is it Comey? Is it McCabe? Is it Strzok? Is it Page? Is it other FBI agents and other DOJ lawyers? I think those are the dominoes that are going to start coming now, and that's the outline that John Durham laid out in his 27-page indictment of Sussman. Do you have faith in Durham to take this to its real conclusions and to hold people that broke the law as part of this Russia collusion hoax, which was unfortunately somewhat successful in at least attacking an administration and slowing down the Trump, uh, the Trump agenda. Uh, do you think that Durham has what it takes to take this to the end and bring the charges that should be brought, irrespective of what would be massive political pressure on him to let this stuff just fade away? I do. I actually call me naive, but I think he's the one guy that can do it. And I'll remind folks as a former federal prosecutor, two years for a federal investigation isn't a lot of time. Some people spend five, seven, 10 years putting together a conspiracy charge, especially in the fraud world, which is this is a giant fraud uh, by the U.S. government. And it's the biggest political scandal in U.S. history. So I know they want answers fast, but two years is just not a lot of time. So he's going to keep going. Cash, thanks for the expertise, my friend. Good to see you as always. Thanks, Buck. Appreciate it. Thousands of maskless fans have been packing stadiums since the college football season began in August. But inside classrooms, it's a whole different story. After the break, former Arkansas Razorbacks defensive end and candidate for U.S. Senate Jake Beckett joins us to discuss the strange discrepancy. But first, let me tell you about a potential investment opportunity. If you thought about investing in real estate, but you didn't have the time to do it on your own, you didn't want to make rookie mistakes. I felt exactly the same way as you until about a year ago. I've always loved the idea of real estate investment, but I didn't want to get involved in something without someone to guide me in those early stages. That's when I met my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. They took all the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me, and now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For Your Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how it works. Again, every step of the process. From picking the city, the house, getting the loan set up, getting a tenant in place, and a management company to handle the whole thing for you. Just go to doneforyoubuck.com. See what my friends can do for you. That's doneforyoubuck.com to begin your real estate investment journey. Candidate for U.S. Senate from Arkansas, Jake Beckett, joins us when we come back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thousands of Gators fans at the University of Florida this past weekend singing Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down. Tune is somewhat fitting. College football stadiums around the country have become packed with eager and largely maskless fans since the season started this month, or last month rather. However, college and university classrooms are a different story. At the University of Florida, for example, masks are mandated for everyone on campus. The university's COVID guidelines post on their website states, we expect everyone to wear a mask at all times when inside any UF facility, even if you are vaccinated. This includes our students, faculty, staff, vendors, and visitors. So does COVID-19 only affect classrooms? Is there a double standard or really just a make-believe standard at play here? Joining me now is Jake Beckett. He's a former defensive end for the University of Arkansas Razorbacks and the New England Patriots. He's also running for Senate in the great state of Arkansas. Jake, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on. So you got thousands and thousands of fans packed into these college football games. But then on Monday in class, everybody's masked up. I mean, what, what's going on? I know that the stadiums are outdoors, sure. But you got people that are right on top of each other. They're screaming. They're yelling. But then in the classrooms, they're having to mask up even if they're vaccinated. It feels like this is all kind of arbitrary. Well, sure, it's all theater. And I think these... These policies that are put in place by these COVID tyrants all over the country, you know, these packed college football stadiums show just how preposterous these policies truly are. I was in Fayetteville, Arkansas, two weekends ago to watch the Arkansas Razorbacks beat the Texas Longhorns in front of a packed house of over 75,000 screaming fans, maskless fans, I might add. It was a great atmosphere. It was great to see everything. Uh, coming together uh, in Fayetteville, Arkansas for a great win for the Hogs. But it was ridiculous because a large proportion of those fans were students who are forcibly masked every day in class. They rush the field. I guess COVID uh, doesn't uh, doesn't take place uh, on, on a football field on Saturday night. Uh, and then a large proportion of those fans obviously are uh, people who are employed, who are under threat of losing their jobs for refusing COVID vaccine mandates or mask policies at their place of employment. I presume a lot of those screaming fans in college football stadiums across the country uh, are people who have small children who are forcibly masked on airplanes, uh, toddlers as young as two and three years old in public transit and elementary schools. Uh, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And I think these, these packed stadiums are truly an act of defiance 
from people all over the country who are sick and tired of these mandates. They're sick and tired of the hypocrisy. They're sick and tired of the tyranny, and they're not going to take it anymore. As Tom Petty would say, they're not backing down. How do you think this ends? I mean, is that essentially it? We have to just reach a point where we have more and more Americans who will find ways to non-comply with the dictates of Fauciism? Because it feels like even if someone's in a red state, say, where they believe there's some degree of freedom afforded them from the harshest and most arbitrary COVID mitigation policies, the federal government steps in. There's still the possibility of federal government mandates for travel on flights when it comes to the vaccine. So how do you think we finally end this madness? I think you'll have to see like-minded people band together uh, in their places of employment, uh, in their communities. It's just gonna happen, it's gonna take all of government approach, all of the above, local, state, and federal. But really it has to happen at the grassroots. Look, really these, these companies won't employ uh, these mandates if they're under threat of losing 20, 30, 40% uh, of their employees. These schools won't impose mandates if they're under threat of losing half their student body population. Okay, we, we have to stand up and fight back against these ridiculous mandates. Look, it, it, it takes all of us. We can't wait for uh, you know someone to come in and save the day. But people have to step up in their communities. Of course, it takes Republican leaders and conservatives who are in government to, to stand up and speak out against this. But look, it's going to take every single person at all levels, local, county, state, and federal. Jake, I want to switch topics here for a moment. You're a veteran of the war on terror. You served a tour of duty in Iraq. What do you make of the total lack of accountability you're seeing right now when it comes to senior leadership from the White House and in the military uh, and our withdrawal from Afghanistan? Well, I come at this from the perspective of someone who not too long ago was an infantry platoon leader with the 101st Airborne Division. And I can tell you that as a junior officer, as a non-commissioned officer, as lower enlisted personnel, if you make one mistake, if you slip up just a little bit, you get fired and you lose pay and you lose rank. But apparently, as you go up the chain of command into the upper echelons of our military and civilian and political leadership, look, you can preside over the worst foreign policy debacle in recent American history that results in the death of 13 brave American servicemen, that results in losing $85 billion worth of equipment, material, combat aircraft, and weaponry to the Taliban. And you can keep your job. You can keep failing up. You can get a third or fourth star. You can get a cushy seat on a corporate board, or you can find some sinecure position in the federal bureaucracy. But we have to get to a system, and this is one of the reasons why I'm running for Senate, we have to get back to get to a system where we promote rapidly the people who are good in our military, and we get rid of, we fire rapidly the people who perform poorly. This failing upward system of just promote and promote and promote no matter what happens, it's absolutely failing, and we're seeing the consequences of that system in Afghanistan. I want to take a listen to something that DHS Secretary Mayorka said yesterday and get your reaction. Of the over uh, 60,000 individuals who've, brought, who've been brought into the United States, and I will give you approximate figures and I will verify them, approximately 7% have been United States citizens, approximately 6% um, have been lawful permanent residents, approximately 3% have been individuals who are um, in receipt of their special immigrant visas. The balance of that population are individuals whose applications have not yet been processed for approval, uh, who may qualify 
as SIVs and have not yet applied. So just to reiterate, of the 60,000 Afghans evacuated, 84 per, or people evacuated from Afghanistan, I should say, 84% of them were neither U.S. citizens, lawful permanent residents, or SIV holders. So who are we evacuating from Afghanistan? Well, it's clear the administration lied to us. Anyone who was paying attention as this unfolded knew what was happening. Uh, we were simply just scrambling and accepting pretty much anyone who walked up to the gates at uh, Kaya Airport in Kabul and said they were an interpreter or you know, they knew someone with the U.S. government, the U.S. military. And so we brought in tens of thousands, perhaps over 100,000 completely unvetted Afghan migrants. And now they are dispersed all over the country. Look, we have no idea who we let in. I've been speaking out about this since the very beginning. Look, we don't know who these people are. They should not be dispersed in the country. We have to keep track of them because, look, we were we were lied to. These people are not who they say they are in many cases. And the American people, look, the people who set immigration and refugee policy are the citizens of this republic, no one else. And the American citizens have demanded through federal immigration law that we properly vet all migrants and refugees. The Biden administration is in violation of that law. Really appreciate you being with us, Jake. Good to talk to you again. Thanks, Buck. During yesterday's Oval Office meeting, White House aides awkwardly cut off Prime Minister Boris Johnson mid-sentence after Biden refused to answer reporter questions again. Who's really in charge here? We'll have that coming up next in Quick Hits. I want to tell you one more time about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto is hot, right? Bitcoin, Ethereum, you're seeing and hearing all about it because these digital tokens, they can skyrocket. But it's not easy to get started. That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with amazing customer service. They'll actually answer your phone call. They'll help you get set up. Your comfort and security in all this is their absolute top priority. So the crypto market is heating up again, and this could be the best time in a long time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. Quick hits are coming up next. Stay right there. Conor McGregor, great fighter, joins a list of uh, all-time bad first pitches. Was it on purpose? And Australia has uh, lost their damn minds. I mean, we've already seen that for quite some time, but we got more of it here. Time for quick hits. Let's start with this one. Conor McGregor, he's a, uh, he's a very well-known MMA fighter. He actually went up against Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match, which made him a whole lot of money. Didn't actually win that match, but nonetheless... He's also quite a showman. He's Irish. He's got the brogue. He's got the swagger. But what he doesn't have is the fastball. Here he is at Wrigley Field. Whoa! Letting it rip way, way, way outside the, uh, the kitchen there, so to speak, of the batter's box. So, you know, I, I think you, you got to figure that, I mean, did he mean to throw it like that? I can't, I can't really tell you. Here, here's the thing. A lot of other countries, you know, here in America, we learn to throw a baseball at a young age. It's very common. So we all know how to throw pretty much here if you played any baseball growing up. Other places, you know, in Ireland, they play, what, Irish football? They play soccer. They play other things. They can't really throw quite the same way that we do here in America. I'm just saying. I mean, Conor McGregor can throw a punch. Can't really seem to throw a baseball that well. But uh, he had a little bit of heat, a little bit of oomph behind it, though. So at least that was good. So at the White House... Uh, are you able to do your job if you're a journo? Now, the job of journalists is supposedly 
to ask questions of the administration, to find out necessary information for the American people, and to speak truth to power and to try to get information out of the White House that they might be hiding or wish to hide from public view. That's not really what they do. As you know, the White House is full of journalists who are constantly trying to prop up and assist the Biden administration in every way they can. They are fans of the Biden administration. But then there are some limits to even what they can reasonably tolerate in terms of the contempt that Biden and his aides have for the free exchange of information in a republic like ours. And here's an example. You have White House aides who, when Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, is here in the U.S., one of our closest allies visiting, because the Biden handlers are so very desperate to make sure that Joe Biden doesn't weigh in unexpectedly, try to answer a question, because he's declining and we can all see it. Here is how they react to Boris Johnson trying to actually engage with the press. Nobody wants to see anything that uh, interrupts or uh, unbalances the, the Belfast Good Friday uh, Accords. That's the uh, Belfast Good Friday Agreement. That's, that's the... Almost like they don't want anyone to be able to ask Joe Biden a question. The UK Prime Minister, he's good to go. He's ready to engage, talk, you know. Got a whole room full of press. See in Biden's eyes a little bit of fogginess there. It's pretty apparent. I think they could see it too. They didn't want him answering any questions. Australia has gone completely mental. I mean, they have, they have lost their minds as a country, at least the government has, with the severity of their lockdowns. There's no real freedom to be had in Australia, and they're not even working these lockdowns. They still have record high numbers of cases. Here's the kind of inhumane psychosis that people in positions of authority in Australia support to protect everyone from the virus, which they can't even really do. They're arresting mothers with their children. Excuse me, she has her son with her and she's done nothing wrong. She has her child with her! You are disgusting! You are disgusting human beings! She has her child with her! This is appalling! Are you a mother? Are you a mother? It is pretty appalling, isn't it? Grotesque. That's Australia, a country that we are very close to in the U.S. and used to think of as a free people. Not anymore. The COVID tyranny, thanks to the Fauciite madness, comes once again. Comes even more there than it does here, as long as we can hold the line. That's it for the show. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.